0: Okay, uh, could could all the men who would like to participate in this, please come sit on these front three rows or these rows over here, please? I could be like David Zeebock and just say, volunteer or get volunteered. We're going to need more than that, aren't we? All right. How many of y'all have access to a digital Bible with a search, some type of search? Several? Okay. Wherever you like. I'm going to move around a little bit because I'm going to be writing some stuff down, but man, you're right, that is going to drive me crazy. (laughs) Crooked line up there. I measured this side. You see that? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going we're to go through an exercise where we're essentially going to go through the process and apply what we've talked about today um, just to get a feel for, for what that looks like. I think this is actually helpful because it's not just informational, but it gives us a chance to see how, how we might actually come up with some of the conclusions we come, come up with or why we would categorize a certain verse a certain way. So that's what we're going to take time to do. And I'm going to make this simple. We're just going to take a a topic this afternoon that is very familiar to all of us. So we're going to put together a short sermon on anger. So what I'd like for y'all to do is, uh, you guys, you students of Scripture, uh, we're going to start throwing out some different verses. And so if y'all could be looking up some verses relating to anger or synonyms of anger, Um, And for time's sake, we'll just throw some ideas out. Uh, Wrath is another word that's used in relation to anger. Uh, Bitterness is another thing that you might relate to anger. Malice is somewhat related to the idea of anger. So there's a lot of different words. Uh, Angry is obviously another form of the word anger. Angered might look that one up, see if there's something about angered. But uh, we'll just try to do this one at a time. But uh, as soon as y'all find a verse you think is relevant for our, for our purposes, just throw that out there and I'll write it down on the board. Okay, Ephesians 4. What verses? Okay. Verse 31, through 31. Okay, and that uses the word angry, correct? be ye angry also okay malice uh, let's see okay And I, and I'm not necessarily going to worry a whole lot about angry, anger, that kind of thing. We're just going to kind of collect some verses here, okay Okay, What did you say, Craig? James 1. Nineteen and 20. Okay. Proverbs twenty one fourteen. Proverbs twenty one fourteen. Okay. Proverbs fifteen one. Very good. Okay. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Perfect. Proverbs twenty nine twenty two. Okay, that's a little backwards in order, but I'm writing it that way anyway. Very good. Keep them coming. First Peter two one. Judges two, eleven and twelve. Okay. okay. Or just throw the eraser on the floor. How about that? Eleven. Okay. We got five, but off. You like one to five? Put it up there. Perfect. Okay. You said Psalms seven eleven. Very good. No sir. Three three. What you? What was that? Okay got all right we got 20 verses let's let's work with that a little bit all right y'all did good okay so here's what here's what we're going to do we, we've got several verses that are related to anger and uh what we're going to do is i'm gonna i'm gonna go through here and we're, we're going to read a verse and we're going to talk about it just one at a time and as we look at that, we're going to start categorizing those verses in these four categories. So let's just start with Ephesians four, twenty-six through thirty-one. And uh, Jackson, would you read that for us and and try to read it loudly if you can? Ephesians four, twenty-six through thirty-one. Okay, so here's here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a little more concise. Let's see. We went, uh, I guess, was that twenty six and twenty seven, and then thirty and thirty one. Am I right about that, or was it just thirty one? Okay, just thirty. Okay. <clears throat> well, maybe later. Okay, so, all right, no problem. Okay, so Ephesians four twenty six and 27, that first part, be angry and sin not, neither let the sun go down upon your wrath, uh, neither give place to the devil. Where would we put that, or, or will we put that in multiple categories? Uh, what does it teach us about anger? And you guys what 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 is that what does that first phrase teach us about anger be ye angry and sin not Very good so so one of the first things we learn from Ephesians 4 and 26 is that anger in and of itself is not sinful so that's the first thing we see there anger which is a if, if we're going to define that, I believe the, the little definition is that anger is a violent passion of the mind. That's, that's a way of defining anger. It's a passion and emotion. It's something that's related to the mind. It's a violent passion of the mind. Uh, but anger is not a sin. So that, that's, that's one thing we learn. So that's, that's our beginning to define anger. Okay, what about the second part of that phrase? Uh, it says, neither let the sun go down upon your wrath. Where would you put that? Instruction. Okay, instruction or, or maybe correction. It kind of kind of veers into both of those because now you've got a solution, you know, for not letting anger lead you to sin. Uh, get rid of it quickly. So that, that would be the thought. So, so like we're, we're veering off into to more than one category here, and that's good. Uh, and then we're going to have to decide where. We want to use those, so. I guess when I write 27, I'm correct about that. I'm not looking, so that does go into 27, doesn't it? Okay. Okay, so then there's a third phrase where it says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Um, give, me, give me a thought about that. What does he mean by that? Okay, so what category should we put that in? I, 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 I would say that's probably in the doctrine. It, it teaches us something about anger, the danger of anger. It's, it's more in that warning kind of category. Uh, but also, you might think of it this way, it kind of crosses this line a little bit, doesn't it? Because that warning also shows us that if you've got a problem with anger, it's most likely you've opened the door for the devil. And so there, there's a lot to unpack there, but I, I think just for simplicity, we'll just, we'll just leave that right here. In the doctrine category. Okay, so let's jump into verse 31. Uh, let's see. Let all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be. Uh, I'm starting to get verse 32 in there too. You got that open, Jackson? Read that again. I'm, Which verse? The, the one about anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. No. Okay, so here's a collection of things that are related to anger. And I, and I think, again, we got some doctrine here. It's showing us that, that these things are related. And I, I would say that these are symptoms of anger, of unresolved anger. So remember, when we talk about symptoms, a lot of times that's in our reproof category. Because as we start talking about symptoms of anger, that's going to really strike the heart. That's really going to get people to think about their life and if they're manifesting any of the symptoms in our life. So I would put that particular part of that uh, in the reproof category. And so one of the points I want to make here is this, just these short few verses, they do a lot. There, there's, it, don't, don't just think, well, this verse only does one thing. They do a lot of different things. And so, again, we're talking about maybe going doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and in Righteousness. This might be the framework of our entire sermon. We just start with Ephesians 4, and we we read this first part of it. We say, here's what anger is, and it lets Satan get a foothold in our door, and then we, we go to other passages, and we'll get to there in a minute. And then we come back to this part of it later, when we get to the reproof section. And then we come back to this passage later when we get to the correction. So this can actually be a good way to build our outline. We got this verse that does multiple things. Okay, let's use that. Rather than just come up with a, I've got three or four points that I want to think about. Let's let the Bible be an outline for us here. And so that, that, that's what I'm, I want to do this afternoon as we're doing this. Let's go to Colossians 3, 8, and then also Verse 21. Colossians three. Neil, would you read that for us?
1: But now ye also put all things, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. In verse twenty-one. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged.
0: Okay. Let's let's first talk about verse eight, and and let's 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 think about this. He says, put off all these, okay? What do you think about when you hear put off? What, what's going to follow that? Put off. If, some, if, we need, if, some, if there's something we need to put off, that's obviously not good, right? Something that's not needed. So, so let's, let's think about this in relation. That's another doctrine deal. We're seeing that anger is not helpful in all cases, that, there, that there's anger that needs to be put off. And I would say having a lot of stored up anger is a bad thing. And so he's saying you need to put that off. So so we're already kind of building some thoughts here. We got one verse that says, be ye angry and sin not. And so somebody might say, well, it's okay for me to be angry because I can be angry and not sin. But then we got this verse that says put off anger. What do you do with that? Well, it tells you that you can make all the excuses in the world about your anger not being sinful, but God also asks you to remove that from yourself. So is anger helpful? It's not always helpful. And so... Okay, yeah, very, very good. All right, let's, let's think about, uh, I'm going to jump ahead in our list here, because just for time's sake, let's go to Mark 3, 1 through 5. Mark 3, 1 through 5. We're going to come back to verse 21 later, Neil. I wasn't ignoring that. This is a time saver. Mark 3, 1 through 5. Sure, if you don't mind. And
1: he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand, so they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward, and he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to kill or to do evil to save life or to kill? But they kept silent, and when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your man and, out, and as as the stress
0: of doubt, his hand was restored, as full as he was. Okay, so what what category do you think this goes in? Specifically verse five. So you gotta do a little digging on stuff like this, but who was who was angry? Jesus. Okay, what's that tell us about anger? not sinful okay that teaches us something doesn't it doctrine so we've got three verses already that we've just looked at we've got be angry and sin not which tells us anger is not a sin now we've got the fact that Jesus was angry which tells us obviously it was not a sin so we have to determine uh, here in a minute what we're going to do with Colossians 3 8 but we're going to save that we're going to wait let's go to uh, Psalms 7 and 11 also. Psalm 7 and 11. Can you read that, Landon?
2: God judges the righteous, and God is
0: angry with the wicked every day. All right. Where are we going to put that? God is angry with the wicked every day. I think that one overlaps a little bit. That's in the doctrine category. Tells us God is angry. So now we got anger's not a sin. Jesus was angry. God is angry every day. Well, God doesn't sin. Uh, God is angry. But who's he angry with? The wicked every day. So if you're wicked, God's angry with you. So we we got kind of a cross line here. We We got some doctrine. We got some reproof. But it seems like our initial line of thinking, even though we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, is that we've, we've also got another layer to what we're discussing at the moment, which is, is anger a sin? And guys, we've already pretty much built a first section to talk about anger, just in regard to what is anger? Is anger helpful? Is anger a sin? Now... Now, let's go back to thinking about Colossians 3 and 8. If anger's not a sin, why would Paul say, put off anger? Why would he say that? So, it's not helpful, right? Why why is anger not helpful? And and it was mentioned earlier that it gives place for the devil. So, I want to throw out a verse. and, And this is one of those times where you go, okay... There's a verse to help us understand this concept, and it may not be something we wrote down, but just like we had verses that weren't in our list earlier to help clarify things, let's go to Romans 13, verse 14. Romans 13 and verse 14. Now, this is not related to anger. This is related to this question about Colossians 3 and 8. Romans 13, 14. open you got that open scripture yeah okay so what is what is this teaching us about here put on the lord jesus christ to make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of it Do, do you think that anger has lusts okay we just read about some of those evil speaking Clamor, which clamor is shouting, um, malice, which is a desire to injure, uh, and then wrath. So, so you got all these different things that are symptoms of anger. You have here. Here's the thing: anger. While anger is not a sin, anger is a provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And so, that's why I believe Paul says, "Put off anger." Why? Because even though it's not sinful, if you don't get rid of it. Quickly, it can lead you to committing sin. So, so I would add that as another layer in here. And, and again, I know we're not exactly sticking to the entire process, but I, but I want you to see also that, that you might have to call an audible, guys, if you all know what that means, if, you, if you're football guys. It means you may have to go outside the playbook once in a while to understand what a verse means and so let's say you don't know about Romans 13 14 you're confused about Colossians 3 8 and you don't you're not sure how to reconcile that what do you do you study right and then if that if you don't turn up with anything from that what do you do Jackson what would you do (laughs) talk to your elders (laughs) thank you And so, what would what would be an example of righteous indignation? That's very obvious from what we've read. Judges Mark three five Mark three five. Absolutely. Uh, Psalm seven eleven. Does God have a right to be angry with the wicked? Hundred percent. Every day, He's angry with the wicked, and He has that right because His anger is righteous. Now that that also brings us into this question. Uh, is our anger righteous? And so this may not necessarily be a, a, something that, that is pointed off of Scripture. Uh, it, at least I'm saying we may not have a Scripture for basis to, to ask these questions, but I want to ask these questions. What's causing my anger? Because if there is righteous anger that is in connection with sinfulness, what's causing my anger? Is my anger righteous? That's a question we could ask in this reproof section when we're going through that to say, okay, if we're going to say there's righteous indignation as an excuse for all the anger that's built up within us, I think it's fair for us all to ask, is my anger righteous? So what causes anger? Well, there's a lot of things that cause anger, right? You could just be annoyed at somebody. They're getting on your nerves. Well, is that righteous anger if we blow up at them? Okay, uh, One of the principles that that is talked about, and I just lost the verse, but one verse talks about evil surmisings, which means suspecting upon slight evidence. A lot of times we get angry because we suspect somebody may be doing something when we don't know that they are. Is it righteous to be angry about something we just suspect? I'd I'd say no, that's not righteous anger. So that might be something you could talk about is, is, is our anger righteous? Now, if I see someone committing sin and it's somebody, if, I'll, I'll just give you the example. If I see my kids committing sin, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be frustrated. Now, does that mean that I have to be clamorous toward them and yell and blow up at them? No, I can use that anger to motivate me to teach them in gentleness and humility and all those things. So, so. There's a lot of different ways that we might go about discussing what is righteous anger. What type of anger is a provision for the flesh? And so there's, there's one way we might structure our outline if, if we decide to do that. Uh, what was the verse that you just brought up? Was it Judges 2? Okay, let's read Judges 2, 11 and 12. Judges 2, 11 and 12. Do you have that open? They provoked the Lord to anger. So here we have again, God being angry. So so we might write that down over here, or we might just say, well, uh, we've, we've, we've kind of already covered that, so we may, may or may not want to use that. Um, but also, we might put this in the reproof category, because, you know, I don't know if there's any idolaters out in the crowd, but there could be, so, you know, you might talk about that that, that... Doing these type of things provoke God to anger. And, you know, we're, I think we're talking really about personally being angry. But, but if we were talking about that, we might talk about how disobedience is what angered God. That's why his anger was righteous, because he was, he was upset about disobedience. So while that talks about anger, I'm not certain that it really fits our purpose. And so, so we're, ju- we're going we're gonna to just leave that on the board over here. We're not going to insert it in here, okay? And again, y'all may not like that, but I, I got the floor, so. Okay, James 1, 19 and 20. James 1, 19 and 20. Okay, so we got a couple of principles here. One is be slow to wrath, and the other one says, the wrath of man does not work righteousness. Notice the wrath of man. This is not a righteous anger, obviously. This is something that does not, and I believe the word is produce in the New King James, produce righteousness. So here's another teaching thing that we can really utilize in our sermon, because And I'll I'll tell you why, because a lot of people want to hold on to their anger, don't they? They they want to walk around with it like it's a pet and sicken on everybody anytime something displeases them. But we got all these warnings here, right? Put off anger. Uh, Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And now we've got wrath does not produce righteousness. Well, if we all want to produce righteousness, it's probably uh, a good thing if we can put off anger and get wrath out of our life. Okay, let's look at Matthew 5.22. Matthew five
1: twenty two. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother Raca, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire.
0: Okay. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. So, is it possible to be angry at someone without a cause? Obviously, right? So there's a teaching. But if I was to put this in a category, I would put it in the reproof category. And if I was going to talk about what's the cause of our anger, this would be my verse that I would start that section with. And so... I would bring this verse up and, and I, would, I would just show that here Jesus is saying it's possible to be angry with someone without a cause. And that's obviously against the will of God. So uh, that's a good time to say we all ought to search our hearts and, and look at the anger that we're carrying around to see if there's really a just cause for that or if we're just angry at them because of some other reason. And so that, that would be, in, in my opinion, a reproof passage. It would reprove. Yes, sir. Without cause is added. Thank you. See there? We're studying. So what do we do now? What do we do with that? If it's not in there, what do we do with it? Okay, I'll just make a decision. <laughs> We're not going to use that for that. But it's still a facet. It just doesn't say without cause. Okay. So,
1: like the NASB leaves it out and just says, Can I say to you that every man who is angry with his brother shall be guilty
0: before the court? Okay. So, why do you think that they added the phrase without cause? You think it should or shouldn't be there? What was it italicized in? What was it italicized in? Yeah. Okay. I've... I've got it in the King James here as being a Greek word that was in the Textus Receptus that is defined as without cause or reason. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to restore it. But I want to make a point. This, this is why we got to dig. This is why we've got to dig. And this is also why I said last Saturday, I do not use just one translation. And that's, that's not a chastisement on you, Matthew, I, at all. I... Dig, that's right. We got to dig. And so his question causes us to dig, and we may go this way, go this way. But if we don't dig, we're not going to know. And if, if you're looking at multiple translations rather than just relying on one, and we didn't get into this a lot, but I'll tell you, what you're going to see, and, and we're not going to get into a lot of detail because this this'd be a very long discussion, but uh, the New American Standard and the English Standard come from a different set of Greek manuscripts that sometimes leave out words or phrases. And so you may see that from time to time that they left out a word or a phrase. You might say, well, I don't want to use those because of that. Well, that, that is definitely your right. And again, I'm not advocating that you use one of those by themselves. I was, re- I was really referring those as using in a parallel setting where you could read them side by side with the King James and New King James, and it could be helpful to you. If you have questions about that uh, later... Come and talk to me or talk to your elders about that. But uh, there are going to be differences in the translations at times based on what words belong and what words don't. Absolutely. Yeah, and that and that's what we've been trying to stress. Context, context, context. Okay, let's look at Genesis four and eight. Genesis four and eight. I'm going to throw you an audible here. Um, let's go back to verse 4 and read down 4 through 8, actually. Okay, so the word wrath is not a word we use, probably unless you're talking about an IRA account. Uh, Different spelling. Sorry, bad joke. Wrath is an old ancient term for angry. And if you look up the Hebrew word, it it really has the idea of fire, like having a fire of anger, uh, to be kindled with anger. Like we see the Lord's wrath was kindled against them like there's fire attached to it. So it says, to, it says of Cain that his countenance fell and he was wroth. He was angry, right? And then you look at verse 6 and what does God ask him? Why? Why? Okay, well, we're kind of we're already in that territory, so let's just write that down here. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? You know, why, why are you depressed? Why are you down is, is the idea here. You know, countenance falling would be kind of like, you know, someone drooping their head. They, they just look, they look sad. They look upset. He's obviously disappointed, but he's also angry. And then I want you to notice verse 7. God actually tells him, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So God knows why he's angry. Cain doesn't offer a response to this, but God knows why he's angry. He's trying to... This is kind of like when he asked Adam... Uh, where are you? Well, he didn't ask that because he didn't know. He's asking him that to help him see where he is. And so here he says, why are you angry? And then he says, if you do what's right, you're going to be accepted. And if you don't do what's right, then sin lies at the door, uh, and it has a desire for you, but you should rule over it. So he's telling him, the reason why you're angry is because you did what was wrong, and when you did that what was wrong, you committed sin. So what's that tell us here about anger? Sometimes anger can be caused by Sin, right? Sin can cause us to be angry. So as we're looking into this question of what's causing my anger, maybe it's not the guy out here. Maybe it's the guy in here, or gal in here for that matter. You know, maybe it's something in here that's making me angry. Maybe I got a sin problem, and that's why I'm frustrated, and I'm always grumpy, and I'm hot-tempered, and, you know, just a lot of thoughtfulness there about what's going on. So what happens to Cain? He gets angry and He kills his brother. And what is this? This is the warning we see in Ephesians 4. Be angry and sin not, neither let the sun go down upon your wrath. What did God tell him? Sin is lying at the door and it wants to have you. But you ought to rule over it. But he didn't. He didn't rule over it. And we see what happened. So if I was preaching this sermon, I would probably make a point of that to say, we may look at what we've learned about anger and think, well, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to have a problem with anger. It's just going to stay in here and not manifest itself. But here we have this warning from God, and we see that very thing happen. Some was angry. They didn't deal with their anger, and they ended up murdering somebody. And so, so that, that's a powerful teaching in a story that is one of the very first stories of the Bible very powerful teaching about anger. All right, let's continue. All right, let's go to let's go to Luke 15, 28. I know I'm cheating a little bit and we're we're already categorizing these things, but we're doing that for time's sake. Luke 15, 28. All right, uh, Neil, give us some context here. What's going on? Luke fifteen twenty eight. What, what what's this chapter about? Prodigal son. Prodigal son. Who's angry here? Older brother. Older brother. Why is he angry?
1: Because
0: his dad didn't give him a sheep to be married with his friends. So why why is he angry? Jealousy. He's jealous, right? Why was Cain angry? He was jealous. So we got, two, we got two verses here, one that's all the way back from the beginning of time, one that's all the way up in the time of Jesus, and what happens? Same thing produces the same effect. And obviously there was no murder that happened here, but, but you have a brother that's jealous of a brother. Well, that, that might be a good time to talk about that, that there's a lot of sibling rivalries, and sometimes we feel like things aren't unfair, and that makes us angry and, and what is God is Jesus depicting this man as having the right attitude or the wrong attitude so we got to read a little Fred let's read down just a few more verses <clears throat> uh, let well let's just read uh, let's see let's read verse 31 and 32 read that for us Neil please
1: and he said unto him son thou
0: What does the word meat mean? It was meat. <coughs> Fitting. Okay. That's a, that's a good translation. Fitting. It was it was appropriate, we might say. You know, he's looking at this situation and go, this is not appropriate. This guy, he's, he's devoured your living with harlots. And I've been here the whole time. And you throw him a party and you don't throw me a party. And he says, you've been with me forever. Everything that I've got is yours. I... What's happening here is appropriate. So what that tells us is this man's anger was unjust. And that's what jealousy does. It produces an unjust anger. So again, we have another verse that helps us understand that. And I, I, I would probably just leave that here because we're kind of on this, this vein of, of talking about what causes anger. Okay, we're going to kind of shift from there because we're probably probably going a little long on that. Absolutely. Yep, I do. I, I do think he thought he had righteous indignation. And I think if you dig into that a little more and see who he's talking to there, he's addressing the Pharisees. You go all the way back to the first of the chapter, you, you find that these are men who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And so, uh, you know, Jesus is telling a story about these men's hearts who they felt like were pure and clean and righteous and that they had the, this platform for judging everybody else. And he's exposing that here. There's a reason why they killed Jesus. He, he exposed their hearts on numerous occasions. He revealed their character. And this, this is just one of those cases. I appreciate your point. That's a great point. I think we all feel that way at times too. That our, that our anger is righteous. And if we'll really dig in and examine those things... You know, I, I, I can speak for me, I can't speak for you, but I know when I dig into my heart, a lot of times I go, you're, you're just being prideful and selfish is what you're doing. So, <clears throat> Let's go to Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Proverbs 15, 1. we're going to shift gears just a little bit. Proverbs 15, 1. Okay, harsh harsh words stirs up wrath. Uh, what category would we put that in? Instruction. It's a symptom, yeah. Yeah, we got a symptom here. Uh, now, you, you could use that for instruction, honestly. I mean, here's... You know, we talked earlier about it, the Ephesians 4, in, where he says, don't steal anymore, but rather do this. And so we've, we, we could take this and view it, and we can go, okay, well, what would turn away wrath? Soft answer turns away wrath, right? Soft answer, what's a soft answer? That, that's the correction aspect. Then we got a harsh word, stirs up anger. Symptom, right? So we got two things here. Well, what often is the igniter of anger? Harsh words, you know? Maybe, maybe you want to talk about being a peacemaker and say, God's called us to be peacemakers. He had not caused us to cause war and conflict and all those things. And so, you know, maybe people are upset at you. Are we the cause of that? Is it because of the way we communicate with them? Or is it because we're harsh with our words? Uh, but this is another one that ha- a soft answer turns away wrath. So it could go kind of across here into more than one area. And again, this is just an example, guys. I, I would probably build this in about 20 or 30 hours, not 40 minutes. So. so there'd be a lot more digging to this. But I hope we're all seeing how this process works. And we're, we're not going to stop yet. I, I do want to take a break, though. Let's take a five-minute break in case anybody needs to go to the bathroom. We're going to come back. We're going to finish up. I guess it's sort of an odd time, but let's let you. All right, let's go ahead and get started again. We're going to go to Proverbs 21, 14. Proverbs 21, 14. Okay. Very interesting. A gift in secret pacifies anger, and a bribe behind the back strong wrath. What do you take take from that, Van?
1: Be open and truthful. And you'll avoid a lot of situations that bring conflict and therefore
0: wrath. Yeah, you got, you got a little bit of a, sort of some palm greasing going on here, don't you? Sounds like something political. Again, some of this stuff is is about avoiding anger. And and this proverb, is it talks about things that are just related to relationships in life. I don't necessarily think I would include that in this lesson. It really doesn't fit what we're trying to accomplish. So again, that's why it's important to establish a purpose at the beginning so you'll know exactly what you want to look at. So Let's go, let's see. I, I, I forgot to underline something. let's go to Amos 111. Amos 111. Okay, so the Lord is upset with Edom. Why is the Lord upset with Edom? He held on to his wrath forever, it says. His anger tore perpetually. He cast off all pity. Okay, so, so we're, we're going we're gonna to take a detour for a moment that's related. There's a phrase here. He cast off all pity. Now... When we exhibit wrath or anger in our life, what is absent? Compassion. Compassion. Okay, so what, that, that's a good way of looking. Sometimes even to define some, what something is, we can define what it's not. Now, there's a passage that says, what does the Lord require of you? And what does he say? To love mercy. Love mercy is one of the things the Lord requires of us. If we've got a pattern of anger in our life, it's very obvious we don't love mercy. And even the people we're angry with, what should we show them? Patience, gentleness, humility. Why? Because God loves mercy. Our Father is merciful. We should be merciful. That's just, I'm just throwing out a tangent if somebody decided, well, I think this is a good time to talk about compassion. Now, I want to warn you about being too tangential in your, in your sermon building because the guys that the truth is the options are endless. You could, you could run here and go oh that's good you run down here and go oh that's good. By the time you get done with that I'll tell you what you're doing. You're on the trail, everybody's on the trail with you you run off this rabbit trail, you run off this rabbit trail, you run off this rabbit trail. Now in this case would that certainly flow with our flow of thought? Sure. I'm just saying be careful and you might add a tangent once in a while, but, but, but try to limit that. Don't, don't run a bunch of different tangents and get people, because number one, it's going to really lengthen your lesson to just be unreasonable, but number two, it, it's going to lose its effectiveness. So One of the things we haven't really discussed yet is having a balance of these things. and You're going to have to decide that depending on what you're trying to accomplish in your lesson. If and, and I'm not saying you have to have all four of these in every lesson. Now, in a topical lesson like this regarding something that is either sinful or could cause us to sin, I, it's just my rule. It doesn't have to be yours, but I'm going to put all four of those elements in it. Because I want to make sure that I'm thorough in covering this. Uh, but, again, I try to balance that. And, and maybe I need more teaching on it because there's confusion about it. So I spend a little more time on doctrine. Or maybe I, 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 I look out and I say, well... I've been having a lot of problem really seeing this in my life. Maybe I need to spend a little more time on the reproof section because maybe other, other people are having trouble seeing that and I want to give them an opportunity to, to gain from God's Word what I've gained from God's Word. And again, some of this is about judgment. Uh, but I would say, especially to you young teachers, as you're putting lessons together and you're doing this, try to find a little bit of balance. And, and don't just get too heavy on one side or the other, but try to try to make sure that you're thorough in each section but, but not overly heavy. Yes, sir? Probably for a later time. Yeah, it might, it might derail a little bit. Um, and again, that, that's a judgment call, too. I just, you know, there's, there's certain things that I go, man, I, I really want to talk about that. And then I go, I just need to build another lesson. Because... <laughs> Uh, You know, uh, it's, it's easy for me to get on something and just go too far on it. You know, get too heavy on it. All right, let's go to Proverbs 29. And I've got this in backwards order. But let's go to verse 11 first, and then we'll read verse 22. Proverbs 29... All right, let's talk about that one first. What do uh, psychologists tell you if you're angry to do? It out. Vent? <laughs> Let it out. What's the Bible say? That's what a fool does. <laughs> uh, th- again, this is not about what some smart person in the world says. We, we, we have to view this through God's Word. It, it's really tempting sometimes to bring some of this worldly philosophy into our preaching because we've heard something over and over and over. But here we are about venting. And everybody says, well, if you'll just expel that, well, it'll go from the... Out. You know what Jesus said? He said, that comes from the inside. It's from the heart and it's wrong. <laughs> so, you know, uh, venting will get you in more trouble than it will good, right? So what, where will we put this scripture about venting? What is venting? It's a symptom. It's a symptom. You, you see a guy that runs off at his mouth all the time in frustration, you know what's in his heart, don't you? He's got anger in his heart. All right, let's read verse 22.
2: The angry of strife, and the furious man in transgression.
0: An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. Okay, let's, let's tackle the first half of that first. An angry man stirs up strife. What's that mean? Anger causes... Okay, what is strife? Conflict. What does anger cause? Conflict. okay. Uh, you see somebody that's tied up in conflict. We see a problem here, okay? Maybe we put that in the conviction. Obviously, we're getting pretty heavy here, aren't we? Pretty heavy. All right, what's the second part of that phrase? They're in Proverbs 19, 22. A furious man abounds in transgression. What's that tell us about holding on to anger? It's going to lead us to sin. We just We started the lesson by saying, be angry and don't sin. Get rid of your anger. All these things. What are, what are we seeing? We're seeing harmony. Over thousands of years, through 66 books of the Bible, with multiple writers from different geographical locations, we're seeing the wisdom of God tying together in perfect harmony, all teaching the same things about anger. D- does that not cause us to, to go... I need this. <laughs> this is treasure. This is valuable. And I'm telling you, where you learn this, it's from digging into these things. God, even if you're not building a study to go do with somebody, this is a great way to study the Bible. Just to study the Bible. I think sometimes we're, we're so unorganized in our study that we just open the book and start reading in the middle of a book. And we're just reading them. We're fascinated. Maybe we're working, but... But, but maybe let's slow down and think about doing this from a more organized approach, even if we're not going to go present this to somebody else. It's, it's a great way to learn. Okay? Uh, let's go to Psalms 37 and verse 8. Psalms 37, verse 8. Okay, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret yourself, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Okay, what category will we put this in? Correction, correction. okay, finally we got some correction here, right? What was that, 37? Psalms 37, was it 8? I'm not good at multitasking, I'm sorry. Psalms 37, verse 8. We got a correction verse here. What's it say? Stop it. <laughs> there we go. Just stop it. Cease from anger. Uh, forsake wrath. Abandon it. Fret not yourself. Why? Because it, it tends only to evil. Titus 3, 3. Titus 3, 3.
2: For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy,
1: hateful and hating
0: one another. Okay, so we, we got a phrase here, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. There's a relationship between those things. Uh and that's very true. A lot of times anger leads to a desire for, for people to be harmed. And, and we hate those people. It will. i tell you, anger will change the nature of your relationship with somebody. And you probably experienced that. At one time, you may have had a real good relationship with a family member. And they do something and you hold a grudge. And then next thing you know, what? You, you don't even want to be around each other. You don't want to look at each other. don't want to talk to each other. So... This is something else we learn about anger, and this is taught in other places, that it can destroy relationships. Why? Because from anger comes strife, from anger comes sin. Okay? We're going to just leave that one where it is. Uh, Let's go to Ecclesiastes 7 and 9. Ecclesiastes 7 and 9. Okay, do not haste in your spirit to be angry. What would we call that? Instruction, Huh? Instruction. Instruction, okay. Do not be hasty in your spirit to be angry. Short fuse, that's a great way of describing that. Hot-tempered, short fuse, hot-tempered, don't be hasty, why? Anger rests in the bosom of fools. I love this verse. My grandmother, who is 92 years old, has this written in red pen on her refrigerator with the magnet. She's the most gentle person I've ever known. I mean, she would whoop me when I was young, but you could tell she had to leave the room because she felt bad about it. She's always been a gentle person. I look at that verse on the board, I go, Why in the world is that there? You know why? Because I don't know what's going on in her heart. I just know she's controlling it. But for some reason, she put that up on her fridge. And, and I want you to notice there's a relationship in this verse. This, this, this is one of those multiple uh, categorical verses in that it says this. Anger rests in the bosom. What's that mean? It rests there. It dwells there. It tells us something about people that are hot-tempered you know, somebody says, well, they're, they're just wired a little different, or, well, they were born that way, or they're just born angry. No, there, there's anger in their heart, and it's resting there. And he says, that rests in the bosom of fools, not people who are born that way, or someone who wired that way. And people who have a short fuse, they do that because anger is stored inside their inner man, just waiting to get out. That's a powerful teaching, isn't it? Where's the problem? It's in the heart. It's in the heart. So, so again, we're learning some correction here, we're getting some reproof, we're learning some doctrine, all from a very short verse in Ecclesiastes. Was that 7-9? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to 1 Peter 2, 1, since I underlined that before we read it. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Okay, kind of seems incomplete, doesn't it? Let's read verse two along with it. All right, so I wanted to read verse two because of this. You've got problem and solution. Problem and solution. Lay aside. What's lay aside? It's put off. It's, It's get rid of. Lay aside malice. Deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, which we just saw earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, was a symptom of anger. So you've got malice here mentioned, and he says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Here's the solution. If you want to get rid of anger in your life, what should you do? You should desire the milk of God's word. You should read God's word to change your thinking. Because this is a heart problem, and that's where the, that's where the Word of God attacks or, or penetrates. We saw that earlier uh, in our morning study about in Hebrews chapter 4, that it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart, and that's where this comes from. All right, let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 17. Okay, read that one more time. Okay, so we got some incomplete context. So let's, let's just back up and look at the context. Alright, so we're going to have to go back a little bit. Let's go back to 14, verse 14, and let's read 14 through 17 to pick up some context. Okay, so we got a little context now. And what's he saying? He's saying you need to be careful to stay away from evil people. And he said, you know, these are the kind of people that they're so bent on doing something that's wicked and harmful and hurtful that that is what feeds them. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. I'm not sure that this is really fitting for our subject, but just to think about, again, about this layer, layers of truth and harmony and all that. I want you to think about his description here. This is obviously an analogy. They can't literally drink and eat these things. So it's an analogy, right? What does he mean, eat and drink? Eat and drink there. Okay, so let's think about what Jesus said in uh, Matthew 4 when he was tempted by the devil. And the devil says to him, If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And what was Jesus' response? But by every, Jesus compared eating to his consumption of the Word of God. There's there's another point when uh, Jesus tells them that my meat or my bread is to do the will of God. In other words, what sustains me, what drives me, what motivates me is that I consume these things. Well, that's that's the analogy that you've got here. These people are so depraved and wicked. That that's what sustains them is doing wicked things. He said they can't even sleep if they don't hurt somebody. You know, that's a bad state to be in and probably good for another lesson. But probably not necessarily fitting unless we're going to kind of veer off into another realm here. All right. Finally, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Proverbs 19, verse 11. Oh, very good. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. And is his glory to overlook a transgression? Where would y'all put this? I would too, because we're talking about changing our perspective here. You know, a lot of times people think that the strong man is the one who puffs his chest out and fights everybody. And he says, it's a glory for a person to be merciful And overlook a transgression. So, what was that verse? 1911? Okay, so what do y'all see up here on this board? We're really heavy, aren't we? Okay. So, now when you look back at, at what Clint, the work that Clint did, can you see why there's... So many verses that we collect initially. Now, again, for time's sake, we just collected 20. Because it, it would have taken us hours and hours and hours to go through all of that. But one of the things you see is we're a little bit... So, so if you get to this point, you go, oh, well, what do we need to do? Go back. Go back and start looking again and say, okay, let's, let's, now let's just look for verses that fit this. So, so as we're looking through, we're just trying to determine... This right here, because we've already got this kind of cool down. I think we got good, good content here, but maybe we need a little bit more, especially here. I think this is probably pretty good. This one, maybe not so much. Uh, so I, I, I'd say let's go back to Ephesians 4. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. Verse yes, sir. OK, so now we got a passage about forgiveness, which is really getting to the heart of anger and evil speaking and clamor and malice and all those things that are related to anger. So now we've got a real. OK, so let's let's just say that as we're winding down our lesson, we're going to go back to Ephesians four because that was the framework that we were operating from in anyway. We're coming all the way back to Ephesians 4 and we're going to spend some time talking about forgiveness. What is forgiveness? And obviously you could do a whole sermon on forgiveness. But this would be a good time to really draw people toward the idea that, that the problems that we face in our life with anger are really related to the fact that we have just not changed our heart to be more like God. And we, we, we may not love mercy as much as we should. We may not have the compassion that we ought to have. We may not be, and maybe you go read Matthew chapter 18 and look through some of that parable about forgiveness where, where Jesus relates to a man's unwillingness to forgive his brother because he was ungrateful for God's mercy. That's very convicting at the end of a sermon and also instructs them to get people to really think about the invitation that's coming. Um. So let me ask you all a question. We didn't spend a lot of time doing this, but do y'all guys think you could take what we did, take this list that we did and preach a sermon? It wasn't that hard either, was it? I mean, we just took a little time, organized our material. We know exactly what we're going to do, and I guess I kind of cheated a little bit. And, but, but, but y'all can do this, and I'm, I'm telling you, you can do this in a way that you get up and you preach the Word of God and you made sure you handled it correctly and we studied these verses And everybody can understand it. Okay, very simple. All right, any questions? Fantastic. All right, well, I I appreciate all your time today. I know this is a little bit different. Um, I hope this will be helpful to you. it's, It's been very helpful to me. I really want to strongly encourage you again. I'm not trying to be a salesman, but I just really want to encourage you. Give this a try. Really give it a try. Work through it. If you need help with it, you can reach out to to somebody in the congregation. Uh, They've got my contact information if you're confused about something you see in the guide. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'll talk with you through some of this as well. Um, But again, I appreciate your time, and I I hope this will be a blessing to y'all.